Welcome to the Rock Christian Church Podcast. Today's message is Not a Spirit of Fear by Kate Case. What a morning. It's so great to be back. We've done about a thousand miles in the last month to get here and round the back and it's a great story. I don't have any kale or cat jokes for you, sorry. But I can tell you in Kakadu you can get kale and crocodile salad. So if you don't believe me, ask. No cats on the menu, but our cat was glad to see us when we got back. <laughs> Dear brothers and sisters, what, what a morning. And it's such a blessing to be here. I've had this message on my heart for a number of weeks now, and I spoke some time ago with Sean about bringing it to you. I didn't even know it was Pentecost Sunday today until I got up in the morning and did my daily Bible study and it said Pentecost Sunday at the top and I thought, wow, this is so appropriate. (laughs) And this is the verse of the day. And when they prayed, the place they were gathered together was shaken and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. Uh, Can you put my, uh, Steve, my topic up there? Something has happened. That's it. Okay. This is my topic today. You'll notice I do not have a heading because this is the take-home message today. This is not a heading. This is the take-home message, and I'm hoping that you all have had this written on your hearts and in your minds and in your head by the time I finish talking to you today because this is the topic. This is the take-home message. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. 2 Timothy 1.7 Why this message? Why, why do I believe God has placed this on my heart to bring this to you today? Well, I believe God is calling the rock into a season of transformation, of transformation of growth, not just in numbers, but of us personally in our work with God and in our personal growth and relationship with God. And transformation cannot happen without the power of the Holy Spirit within our lives. God's Holy Spirit was poured out upon us at Pentecost, the very day that we're celebrating today. We often talk about people wanting revival to happen. Please bring revival. But revival is here. It's right now. God's Spirit was poured out at Pentecost. He has not taken it back. What we are called to do is to walk into it boldly, which is the heart of my message today. The Holy Spirit is not an ether. It's not a ghost-like thing. It's not something you drink type spirit, but it's something we are filled with. It is actually the very presence of God himself. It is God's gift to us, God's gift to everyone who has faith in the risen Lord and his redeeming work on the cross that we've just heard about in the communion message. Jesus left his disciples and he knew they were going to be disturbed because he had told them he was going away to a place they couldn't come to, but he gave them encouragement. He said, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you in all truth, for he will not speak of his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will declare to you the things that are to come. It is the promise of God's presence, of his power and of his truth dwelling in us. And it has a purpose, which I'm going to get to. Over the last weeks and months, we have travelled on a wonderful journey through Exodus. 
And I don't know if you've thought of it this way, but I think Exodus is an amazing love story. Now, maybe you've not thought of Exodus as a love story, but I believe it's a love story. It's a love story of God who loved and treasured his people so much that he redeemed them out of Egypt, cared for them, loved for them in the wilderness, and brought them into the promised land where he dwelt with them in the midst of them. It's always been God's desire, even after the fall in the Garden of Eden, to dwell with his people, and it's still his desire today. But in the Old Testament, his Holy Spirit could only dwell in that very sacred place, the Holy of Holies. And it was only once a year that the high priest was allowed to enter into it. Now, Jesus changed all that with his redemptive work on the cross. And you remember how the the, tent, the curtain in the Holy of Holies was ripped from top to bottom. You see, it was now possible for God not to just dwell within the midst of his people, in the midst of the tabernacle, but to dwell in our hearts. This has been God's intention all along, to not to dwell in our midst, but to dwell fully within us. And I don't think we often realize what an awesome, wonderful privilege that is. Jesus has made the way through his death and resurrection to come into a very intimate relationship with God, to bring about reconciliation, to restore what was broken when Adam and Eve decided to believe a lie and not the truth. You see, by faith we can access, through our faith, the redemptive work, we can access a way into God's presence. But it is only when we're filled with the presence of his Holy Spirit that we can walk in the way. Now, I'm going to say that again. By faith, we can access the way into God's presence. But unless you are actually filled with the presence of the Holy Spirit, you cannot walk in the way. You cannot perform God's will in your life unless you are filled with the Holy Spirit. And if you look at the ministry of Jesus on earth, he lived for 30 years, but he didn't really do miracles or have much of a ministry that we know about. It was only when he was baptized in the River Jordan and the Holy Spirit descended on him that he began his ministry. And it is the same for us. Our ministry, our walk in Jesus Christ does not begin until we are filled and empowered with the Holy Spirit. Just like his disciples in that upper room who were praying on the day of Pentecost when the wind and the fire came. (coughs) Jesus' ministry was pretty simple and it's the same for us. He came to seek and to save the lost. And we've just heard about that in communion. I think God's trying to get something through to us here. Jesus' ministry wasn't to make your life comfortable or to fill your dreams, to give you everything you want. No. It was to seek and to save the lost. That is how he lived and died. And that's his call on our life. And when he departed this life, his very last words to his disciples were this. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Now get this. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you. And surely I am always with you. As I've said, our mission today is no difference. And if you read in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, this was the promise. And you will receive 
power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea and Samaria and over all the world. So what is the reason that the Holy Spirit comes into your life? What is the reason you're walking with the Holy Spirit dwelling in you? Is it to give you a good life? Is it to make things all better for you? No, the prime purpose is that you will be his witnesses in your workplace, in your relationships, wherever you are. This is the call on your life before anything else. This is the penultimate goal that the Holy Spirit wants to fulfill in you. Everything else, everything else must take second place. Now let's get back to Timothy. Because when you put up a verse like this, or if you read a verse somewhere or someone gives you a verse to think about, I always go back to the chapter in which it's written. I think it's imperative that we always look at the context of where a verse is taken from. Why was this verse written? To whom it was written? And what was the context? Because so often things can get taken out of context and we can construe the wrong things about it. Well, I don't know if you know much about Timothy, but he was a very young man who'd been given the pastorship of a very difficult and troublesome church called Ephesus. Timothy had travelled with Paul on his missionary journeys and he actually considered Paul a mentor. And if you read right at the beginning, Paul writes to Timothy, as my beloved son. You see, there was this very deep relationship between the two of them. But Timothy had undertaken this very difficult role in Ephesus and there was trouble in the church of Ephesus. And Paul was writing to Timothy to give him instructions on how to handle this difficult situation. There were people spreading unsound doctrines within the church and bringing unsound teachings, leading people away from the truth of of the gospel. If you read further down in Timothy, chapter 3, verses 1 to 9, I'm not going to read all of it, but I'm going to give you a little bit of an idea into what was going on in the church. For among them are those who creep into households and capture weak women burdened with sins and lead astray by various passions, always learning and never able to arrive at a knowledge of the truth. But as Janus and Jambres opposed Moses, so those men who opposed the truth, men corrupted in mind and disqualified regarding the faith, for they will not get very far, for their folly will be plain to all of us. Now, let me say this. Timothy has been castigated a lot for denigrating women within the church. And I I believe that that is a wrong impression of Paul because this is not Paul's desire to denigrate women. And when you're reading through the books of Timothy, you should not take it that way either. You need to understand the social context of the Ephesus church to which he was writing. There was a cult within the Ephesus church called the Artemis cult. Now, Artemis was a female deity that women used to worship, particularly when it came to childbirth, to get them through childbirth, which was a very difficult time. And this cult through these women, was being infiltrated and brought into the church alongside other doctrines, alongside other other stuff. 
So I believe Paul's instructions to Timothy were for this church, for this time, and for this problem only. It wasn't for all churches and it wasn't for all women, which is why he has instructed Timothy to keep the women quiet in the church so that they could be instructed in the true gospel and not to lead others astray. It's as simple as that. So please don't read Timothy and think that women shouldn't get up and talk in church because that's not what it's about at all. See, I'm here. I'm talking in church. <laughs> so, why why is Paul encouraging Timothy to not to have fear? Now, I don't really know much about the young man, but he was a young man, and, and I know if you're called, maybe it was his first job. He's called into this job here to pastor this church, and there's some very strong personalities, and he's seeing all these problems, and maybe he's been reluctant to deal with them, and it's got back to Paul. So he said to him, for God has not given us a spirit of fear. Now, why does he say spirit of fear? Well, there's a lot of different types of fear that is talked about in the Bible. But the type of fear that he's talking about here is a demonic type of fear. It's the main tool that Satan will use within believers and non-believers to neutralize the power of the Holy Spirit. Those who have faith and want to walk in faith will automatically come into contact and rise up against this tool of Satan, the demonic powers of fear. You see... Our defeated enemy, Satan, would like to convince us that he's not actually defeated and that he's something to be afraid of. And he'd like us just to run away. You see, Timothy, maybe he felt like running away from the problems. But Paul is encouraging him to stand firm because why? We have not been given a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. See, with the presence of his the Holy Spirit dwelling within him, he had all that he needed to to stand up against the problems that he was facing in this church. Just as an aside, I will mention that there, there is another type of fear that the Bible talks about, and it's the fear of the Lord. It's probably not a very good... I mean, the English language is terrible at words. We have one word that can mean so many things. But when you talk or hear about the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. It it means a kind of reverence or awe of God. It doesn't mean that we should be terrified of God. Maybe sometimes we need to be, but it, it doesn't mean that we should be running away from him, that kind of fear. I should also say there's, there's another type of fear that we experience. It's part of our natural biological makeup. I mean, if you go and stand on a tall building and look over the edge, that's a kind of a fear of falling off. I mean, that's quite, quite healthy fear to have. That type of fear is, is meant to lead us to think about things in a positive way and make good, wise choices about the situation that we're in. But the type of demonic fear that comes upon us, and it is demonic, it's not this fear of the God and it's not this natural fear that's part of our makeup that leads us to safety. It is the type of fear that actually blinds us to the truth. It will lead us away from the truth. It brings darkness into our minds. It makes us feel powerless, hopeless. It leads to hate. It leads to division. It leads to paranoia. It leads to insanity. It leads to destructive thinking. It leads to self-destructive fear. 
that word, that demonic fear, you know, sums up a lot of stuff. It is demonic, and it needs to be stood against within the power of the Holy Spirit. We all have a calling on our lives. Every one of us here. I don't care whether you're infirm, not totally all there up top, old, young. I wasn't really looking at you. (laughs) Maybe. I was only joking when I said I'll repent when I Thanks, Liz. But we all have a calling on our lives. There are two people I just wanted to mention who, who were called to stand firm. If I can just find it in my notes here. Oh, oh here we go. Uh, one of my favourite characters in the Bible, Joshua. And I, I just love this image of Moses talking to Joshua because Joshua was just about to go into war. And it's even though God has promised to be with you to go into battle with something or stand up against some kind of problem that you're facing, you can still be a bit afraid. I mean, it's not a, getting up here and speaking, I still feel a bit afraid, you know. But this is Moses talking to Joshua be strong, be courageous, for you will lead these people to inherit the land that I swore to your forefathers. Be strong. Be very courageous and be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses has given you. Do not turn from the right or the left, that you may be successful in what you do. See, these are the attributes that the Holy Spirit brings into our lives. Boldness, courage, strength, an ability to stand and also an ability to follow the truth. Another of my favourite characters, and I'm sure we can all relate to him, is Peter. And there's, you remember when they went out on the boat on the Sea of Galilee? I think it was the Sea of Galilee. Anyway, the wind blows up and then they see the Lord walking towards the boat. And what does Jesus say? Come, come, come to me. So what does Peter do? Being Peter jumps out of the boat, I'm here, starts to walk. And, of course, realises where he is that is actually on, you know, probably not firm ground here, that we might actually sink. But you see, why, why would Jesus say, come? I mean, I mean, this isn't logical. If, if you go and stand on water, you're going to sink to the bottom. But Jesus stretches out his hand and he says, you of little faith, why do you doubt? So maybe today he's calling you to walk on water. Maybe there's some impossible situation Jesus is saying, come, come and walk on the water with me. I mean, I don't know where you are in your life, but we do face some impossible situations. And it's only when Jesus is saying, come, here is my hand. I will take you in the power of my Holy Spirit. I will lead you. You will not sink. I will be with you. Why these three words, power, love, and a sound mind? We often hear people talk about the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, I want the power of the Holy Spirit in my life. But very seldom have I heard people say, I want the love of the Holy Spirit in my life. I want the sound mind of the Holy Spirit in my life. 
We often think that the Holy Spirit comes just with power to do miraculous stuff. But this isn't what this verse is saying. It's saying these are the attributes of someone who who is whole in Christ. You do not just have power. And it is our carnal state, our carnal nature that craves power. That's the problem with the world. It demands power. And I think as Christians and believers, we can sometimes get carried away with the thought of possessing this power in our lives. We've all seen people have supposedly powerful ministries, that the Holy Spirit moves powerfully in their lives. But when you look closer, there's something else missing. Sometimes these people who have these powerful healing, seemingly anointed ministries go astray, but when you look at their lives... There's something else missing. And I don't have an answer to that, why God would move powerfully. But we know of many people who have actually gone astray in their lives, that people have come to actually worship their gifts, to worship their ministry because of the power. But there's more to the Holy Spirit, and I think these are the really hard bits because the Holy Spirit in our wholeness is causing us, is calling us to walk in love with one another. And the way Jesus walked in love was to serve and to suffer and to submit to his Father's will. Not things that necessarily come easy to us. To love one another. If you've been in a close, intimate relationship with somebody, that kind of deep, intimate love poses many challenges. And as I've heard today, it's about putting aside yourself, laying down yourself. And in that song, wear your crown while you bear your cross, or bear your cross while you wait for your crown. Why is that at the end of that song? I mean, it, we kind of, it just fades away, but we're called to bear our cross, to lay ourselves down in love. The Holy Spirit will also bring to mind the truth of things. There today are many types of prophecies, doctrines, different kinds of beliefs that come into the church and I think can very easily lead people astray. I'm sure you've known people, they've got their favourite doctrine, they've got their favourite belief about end times and it just, it is almost like they just worship this. It becomes the whole focus of their lives to the exclusion of everything else. That's a kind of idolatry, I think, in itself because that does not come from a sound mind. The spirit of, what have we got? Say with me, for we're not given a spirit of fear. What are we given a spirit of? Power, love and a sound mind. And what is the purpose of the Holy Spirit in our lives? To seek and to save the lost. You see, when your ministry your gifting, whatever else that you think is wonderful about yourself becomes your focus in your life. You have lost the way. You have walked away. Your focus needs to be primarily to seek and to save the lost. It's not that God does not care about your needs. He cares intimately about your well-being, your physical and mental well-being because you're his house. He only wants a healthy house to live in. But... The problem with our carnal nature is we tend to focus on ourselves to the exclusion of others. Even our diseases, our illnesses, our issues, they can be the things that 
become a worship type place in our lives. We can make them the foremost thing. That's all we ever talk to God about is our stuff, our issues, our needs, our relationship, my hurts, God fix this. We have strayed from the way. And I think we're in danger when we get to the other side of not hearing good and faithful and servant, but I did not know you. I mean... That passage in Corinthians that talks about love has deeply impacted me. You can do all the most wonderful things in the world. You can have prophecies. You can do all this amazing stuff. But if you do not have love, you are nothing. And so our prayer today needs to be, Lord, teach me how to serve you. Teach me how to love Coming back to Exodus, we have heard recently how Moses went up to the mountain and God gave him the Ten Commandments. And we see them as probably like a lot of rules and things. And the Pharisees even made that even worse, almost unbearable for the people to live with. But you see, they were not rules. They were an expression of how to love. They were God's formula for loving one another. And Jesus said, it's summed up like this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul. And what? Love your neighbor as yourself. You see, the Ten Commandments was all about love. So let me ask you this question today. How are you opening up your mind, your life to this kind of fear? What websites are you looking at? What are you reading? Who are you listening to? What are you afraid of to the point that it's almost causing an insanity in your mind? What's distorting your thinking today? Because that's a demonic way of thinking and it will lead you down a bad path. We need to not get focused on the doctrines, the conspiracy theories that are out there. If you are called by Christ, You are called to seek and to save and lost. This needs to be your focus. Get up every day and ask God, how can I serve you today? This should be your number one prayer. Not God, fix my stuff. God, how can I serve you today? He's calling you today. Maybe you're in pain. Maybe you've got some terrible illness. Maybe your relationship's breaking apart. Maybe it's broken apart. Maybe you're feeling lost. Maybe you don't have a job. Maybe you don't know where you're going to live next week. He's calling you to serve him today where you are, in the midst of where you are. He's not necessarily going to take your pain away. I know from personal experience, I've asked that, and the reply I get is, serve me where you are. Love me where you are. And Jesus, on the Sermon of Mount, said it so magnificently. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. And what? All these things, all these things will be added unto you and you can take that as a promise. When your focus is on God's will for your life and when you're walking in his way, all these things will be looked after. That is a painful, painful prayer to pay when you're walking in pain. Now God might not deal with that pain straight away, But it's a test. It's a test. The cross was not an easy path for Jesus. 
to hang on there with nails in your arms and feet and to be beaten after all. That was not an easy walk. And he's saying to you today, come, walk on water with me. Come, bear your cross where you are. And then all these things. So let's make that our focus today because Jesus is calling you. I'm going to ask Karen to come and play up that Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. I've been singing that song all week, <laughs> I tell you. And now I know why. Because I'd like today, we often have prayer in church for people to come and pray for needs, but I think we all have a need for prayer today. And I'd like to see this as a time of where we recommit our lives of God today, that we ask the Holy Spirit to come fully and powerfully into our lives, to transform our thinking, to come with power, to come with love, and to give us sound thinking so that we can serve him, so that we can be reconciled to him and bring a ministry of reconciliation to those who are lost, those who are lost in our families, those who are lost in our workplaces, those who are lost down in the shopping mall, and those are the people that we brush past in the street, for that is our mission. If you need prayer or feel you would like the elders to lay hands on you to receive the Holy Spirit today, please come. But I would like us just to sing together today for the Holy Spirit to come powerfully into this place today and for in your hearts to commit your lives again today to him. Holy Spirit, come powerfully into this place. We come before you in repentance and we're sorry that we haven't focused on you as we should, that we've been led astray, We've watched things, we've seen things, we've thought things, we've gone our own way. We've wanted to make ourselves look powerful instead of bringing your powerful presence into the lives of others. And today, Lord, we want to say we're sorry. We want to recommit our lives to you. And we want your Holy Spirit to come powerfully into the lives of us individually and in this church that we call the rock today. Come Holy Spirit today, transform our lives and transform this community that we can be fully a church that wants to seek and to save the lost. For we know that when we seek your kingdom, all these things will be added unto us. And we pray this in the powerful, redemptive name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. We can just sing. Thanks for listening to the Rock Christian Church Podcast. To be notified when the next episode is available, subscribe on our website at therock.org.au. You can also connect with us on Facebook at The Rock Christian Church. We hope you have been blessed today and we look forward to you joining us for our next episode.